0: if we don't want to get an explicit tag you should probably cut that entire thing why how is that (laughs) explicit (laughs) i said gross (laughs) i don't know well welcome back for another episode of stargate weekly i am Stuart hollis and i'm joined as always by fat hate and this week we're talking about season one episode 11 torment of tantalus yes <laughs> what do you remember about the episode i remember it pretty well this is this is one of my favorites this season one so i've seen it several times fair enough i haven't watched it in years i was largely i largely remember bits and pieces i the diving suit frock that he wears for most of the episode stood out um you know, the the opening sequence, the op- you know, the intro quick cut video sequence is has at least two or three scenes from this episode. Yes. So I don't know how much my memory of the lightning striking the crumbly castle was influenced by that, but that's part of it. Yeah, uh, because they used those same clips in this opening for, like, the first four seasons. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, I remembered that the guy that had gone through the gate, I did not remember his name, but I did remember that he was Catherine's lover. Mm. Uh, So that's about it for me. So the synopsis from TV Guide was, the team searches for a man who went through the Stargate in 1945 as part of a secret experiment. All right, TV Guide, you know, you win this one. You actually did a decent job. Yeah. Uh Uh, Yeah, no, he's pretty much, you know, on the nose, although I I suppose that really anyone who's gone through the Stargate has kind of gone through as part of a secret experiment. So, I mean, I guess the year's useful. Is it really an experiment at this point? It's secret, but... Well, you know how doctors are practicing? I suppose. Yeah, it's a stretch. So I don't actually really have very many notes for this episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, not that many.
1: Um. But,
0: there's one thing I noticed that I had never noticed before. Was it Did our you? special star? Oh, yes. It was, in fact, our special star. Did yes. you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to say his name. Paul McGillin McGillian. McGillian. Okay. I wasn't sure to, if I needed to pronounce the the, uh, the other I or not. Uh, yes. I mean, I have always assumed that's how it's pronounced. I've never met the man. Eh. Yes. Future Stargate Atlantis. Uh, recurring actor Paul McGillian, he, and he's actually part of the main cast in season three. Oh, that's right. Yes. So yeah, you know, look at that. I. It was one of those things where it's like I knew I had seen this guy before, but could I had, I had to look it up. I didn't. I did not immediately connect. To I this. no, actually, I didn't recognize him. Uh it was at the end of the episode. It said, "Young Ernest." Paul I'm like no way so then I went back I'm like yeah no that's who it is Oh, well because <laughs> I watch them on Hulu basically it's just, as soon as the episode ends I just scrub it all the way back to the beginning so no matter what device I then pick up to do my second watch through right I don't have to go through its particular device specific dance to go back an episode right so yeah see that's a lot easier with the dvd right no exactly (laughs) and i almost never watched the end credits anyway so yeah i actually only watched this one once because i had seen it the other month in my Mm -hmm. That's but yes well i mean once today obviously (laughs) all right well let's go through the episode we start in 1945 but no really it's a film about 1945 haha um I kind of liked how they like kind of played the stargate music but made it sound sort of film noir in the back in the like backs in the yeah forty five yes yes yeah that w- that was pretty nice i something that I was wondering about was whether or not they would have a guy doing the camera work that way and not a th- one or two stationary cameras yeah that would you would think the stationary cameras would make more sense but i'm not they okay. wanted to they wanted to show off the the old camera I suppose a filmographer is like an actual thing is the that a filmologist is too I don't think filmologist is a thing awesome that i'm not I'm not one of those <laughs> so we we see that Jackson is watching this old footage he's talking to Jack about where the footage came from. Jackson is super excited about it. Jack is not. Jackson, they see, holy crap, they turn it on. But if they could turn it on once, why didn't they turn it on ever again? Why did they stop? And then we see the guy go through, the gate cuts out, the hose is severed. But I feel like they never answer the question of why did they stop? Yeah, they, yeah, that's, I mean, I can, I can understand why they might not want to send another person through. Right, but... Why wouldn't they have, yeah, kept doing things, maybe sent something after the person? Yeah. Like, supplies or something? I guess they probably were assuming he died? I guess? but I, I I mean, they could not have known about the fact that the gate is one way. In fact, I don't even know if we technically know yet that the gate is one way. I don't know if we know that or not. I honestly can't remember if it comes up in the movie. It's always it's always been in both the movie and this that it's the gate turns on, they walk through, the gate turns off shortly after they're done walking through. Yeah. Well, th- they had no way of knowing what was on the other side of the gate if indeed there was another side to the gate. They may not have even known there was another side. They may have just thought he was exploring the puddle. Right. So when the gate shuts off and the oxygen's cut off, they probably just assumed he was dead. But still, you know, just keep working at it. Mm. Don't just... And the room that it's in is obviously just the gate room set, redressed. And I, I don't know if we're supposed to get the idea that the gate has always been in Cheyenne Mountain, but the idea that Cheyenne Mountain's always been there is... It's silly, because I don't think, because, you know, Cheyenne Mountain is actually the stand-in for, I forget the name. It's the stand-in for Cheyenne Mountain. No, I thought it had a different name. I don't think so. It's where NORAD used to be based. Yeah, is NORAD not still based there? Uh, it wasn't. Cheyenne Mountain was closed until a year or so ago, where it was reopened for something. It was, it was about five or so years ago, they closed the facility, and then they reopened it. Maybe two years ago? Okay. Yeah, no, it's Shire Mountain both times. What am I thinking of? The Cheyenne Mountain Complex was built in 1961. Okay, so that answers that question. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to bug me for a while as to what the slight difference is between Stargate and the real world with regards to the mountain. There's something about it. Other than the Stargate being inside <laughs> the mountain. Oh, but, so that's there in the real world, too. But maybe like, maybe it's like the name of the nearby town... Colorado Springs? Or something. You know, <laughs> something about it's thrown. Like, I feel like. Oh, well. So, yeah. So, even the idea that it had been there the whole time is obviously wrong because it hadn't been constructed yet. Right. So, that just kind of, I don't know, it threw me off more than it should have since we haven't even gotten to the intro sequence yet. But we go through our intro sequence with scenes from this very episode. Yes Okay good Because you hadn't like said Like done Made any Uh, noise I'm sorry I was reading The History of Cheyenne (laughs) (laughs) Mountain Okay so we get done With the intro And we're at Catherine's house Yes And it's not the same actress As from the movie No it's not But this is the one I think of When I think of Catherine I don't I, I think of the movie I Most Often Think of What is that
1: your mm. I wonder
0: if they like tried to get the person from the movie or not. I don't know. Because they do I mean we've got Eric Avari in both the movie and the show. Mm-hmm. And the kid who plays Scara, Right but I mean it's Eric Avari. Yeah he's in everything. That's so true. Vivica Lindfords who played Catherine in the movie passed in 1995.
1: That would explain it. Yes. Wait when did No what
0: what? Nineteen ninety seven is when they started. Yeah, but the movie came out in nineteen ninety-four, she passed a year later. Okay. For some reason I thought the movie came out in ninety five. That's why I was like I was like it it would still be possible. But She was Swedish. Cool. Yeah. So then no, they probably didn't reach out to her to see if she would be on the show. Well they may have, but it was a different kind of reaching out. (laughs) Yes. So anyway (laughs) Yes they're at the house for a bit daniel's talking to her not answering her questions and then we go back to the sgc uh jack is looking through these old boxes that are marked with army air corps and i couldn't figure out why ah yeah why would why would it have been related to the army air corps right so the army air corps boxes yeah it doesn't make any sense as to why the army air corps would have been involved with it well, it never made sense to me that it was the Air Force involved in the Stargate program either, so... Air Force, they put it in a, in a missile silo.
1: Air Force controls the missile silos. Do they? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. I honestly, that was not information I ever knew. I don't think I ever considered oh. which branch was in charge of those. I think there's a, a some amount of mishmash to it. I don't know if it's a hundred percent Air Force all the time, but Strategic Air Commands, to my understanding, controls our um, dropping from airplane nuclear bombs and our land-based nuclear missiles. Mm. Obviously, the Navy controls the submarine missiles. Right. Speaking of military things, I finally got to the end of that Wikipedia article, hmm. and NORAD. Uh, was moved to a basement in Peterson Air, Fo- Air Force Base in 2006, and then moved back into Cheyenne Mountain in 2015. I wonder how much of the move back to Cheyenne Mountain was. Come on, guys, do we want to be in a basement or inside of a freaking mountain? I mean, it's still basically a basement. <laughs> yes, but it's a but it's like the mountain's basement. Yeah, like I I kind of wonder. Like I guess it was probably like a cost saving measure. But, I don't know. Maybe they had to move out so they could do renovations on the complex. Hmm. Who? knows. Someone knows. Yes, I'm sure someone knows. Jack is going through the boxes. General Hammond comes in. They're like, hey, have you seen Jackson? Nope. Okay. Back to Catherine's house. Then, yeah, uh, Catherine's annoyed that Daniel didn't tell her that they have been going through the Stargate. And he told her it was classified and then he, you know, Gets on her by saying, "Well, you never told me they worked on the Stargate in the 40s. Mm-hmm. in
1: the
0: I apparently cannot speak, but yes, that's what I was saying. Okay. And then she says she talks about how
1: Ernest, mm-hmm. her, you know,
0: Love fiance. Her. Maybe I don't know if they ever definitely wanted to be fiance because they had the flashback where he talked, where she asked him if he talked to her father. Jackson, I think later calls him her fiance as part of the justification for why that she go through the gate, which is pretty tenuous justification in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it definitely is Paul McGillian. Anyway, <laughs> his he his face is his face changed a bit in the like 10 years.
1: Yes. Between this and...
0: Anyway, uh we get that flashback where they t- where Ernest and Catherine are talking and we, we have actually we go back and forth a bunch flashbacks and whatnot and eventually yes uh, daniel brings katherine back to Stargate command and hammond is pissed yes but as with that episode a few episodes ago thank you i don't remember which episode it was uh oh man i'm trying to remember doesn't matter just you know <laughs> get to your point um, Jackson goes into a long diatribe about why they do need to go to this planet, and Hammond's like, Yeah, you already made your point. I, I agree with you. Yes. <laughs> which happened in an earlier episode this season. Yes. Jackson is making the point about the anthropological importance of their missions. Yes, but I don't remember which episode that was. Yes. I do remember, obviously, <laughs> but I don't want to tell you. <laughs> So, <laughs> Oh, no, it was uh, Broca Divide. Yes, of course. That was what I wasn't telling you. Um. Then we do see that, hey, they actually, they listened to us complaining in the last episode, and they sent a mouth through. Yes, and Fred. <laughs> yes. So something that I noticed from everyone giving their reason why they should go through the gate, except Teal'c, obviously, who does speak, but only... When it matters, I can't raise that line. But Jackson had said the ghouls. We're back to this. Yeah, and I feel like of all people, Jackson is the one that wouldn't do that. Absolutely. It's just ugh. also the weird thing where Catherine is somehow knows everyone except Tealc and to a certain degree General Hammond. She doesn't know him, but she doesn't make any remark like, "Gosh, Jack, I remember you being a lot more stern and no fun." Mm-hmm. So that 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 felt a little odd to me, especially especially the you know when Sam comes in, and it's like oh God, God. yeah. When did Sam meet Catherine? Yeah, when she was figuring out the amount of power required to maintain a stable wormhole. Do you know how long it took her? Years. I don't think she said, but she I think she actually said, "Do you know how long it took me to figure this out?" Right. Okay. That's what I was getting at. Okay. Good. I have no idea how long it took her. I don't think that they ever said, but I'm pretty sure at one point when she's arguing for her, you know, for the fact that she is, in fact, invested in this. Okay. Anyway. Sure, anyway, please. we go through. We have them out. We have mm-hmm. Fred. Mm-hmm. And we have dust coming from the ceiling. And my thing with this, mm-hmm. unless, like, Ernest has been going around with a broom. There should be a lot more dust on the floor. There is a little bit of dust on the floor. But there should be a lot more dust on the floor considering how often the dust is falling through the ceiling. How do you know he doesn't go through with the broom? Maybe he's fastidious. Mm, I'm thinking he probably doesn't go through with the broom. So in light of a second watching, what stood out to me was they come in through the gate. They're checking out the antechamber. And Jack walks right up to the DHD is looking at it, even kind of like leans on it a little bit, and then someone says something and they go back to their thing. So Jack should have noticed the damage to the DHD. Later, Carter walks right up to the DHD. He's <laughs> kind of looking at it. Like, when we finally cut to the damage on the DHD, not to get way ahead of ourselves in this episode, but seriously, I don't have a lot to talk about on this one. Yeah. You know, it looks like the damage is like all the bottom of the crystal big glowy button thing. Right. So maybe that's why they didn't see it, but come on. Mm-hmm. So we have the standard trope of that happens a lot in sci-fi, fantasy, adventure, just shows in general, okay. and movies. Of the crumbling building that has stood for thousands of years but is just now deciding to fall apart. Yes. They usually explain it away, although they don't even bother in this instance, but I could see how they could have, where, well, given the astronomical, to use exactly the right term, amount of energy required to maintain the stable wormhole. Yeah, they could totally have said that. Right. But anyway, the Crumbly Castle, which is crumbling. Crumbly Castle is crumbly. Quite. And we have Naked Ernest,
1: who... Is super
0: happy that they're real. Mm -hmm. And then when he realizes it's Catherine, he's like, huh, and walks away. It was very strange. Yes. They don't really explain that either. I took it as, when we find out later that he had a manifestation of Catherine in his mind as a way to not completely break, Mm. that it's all of a sudden, here's this person telling me that they're Catherine it's not matching up with the Catherine that I've known for these past however many decades. But I don't know if in the first week he manifested Catherine. Oh, that's fair. Who would have looked like the Catherine that he had left behind. Yeah. Mostly. It probably wasn't exactly the same because brains are weird. Yeah. But then now there's this old woman who's saying, Hmm. I'm Catherine. Yeah, that makes sense. It was just sort of weird. I did enjoy watching uh, Sam back away from the hug from Naked, Lauren- or Naked Lawrence. Who's <laughs> Lawrence? <laughs> Naked Ernest. Everyone was a little weirded out by. And the lo- and the and Teal's raised eyebrow. Well, because it's teal. Yeah. So then, throughout the rest of the episode, we just get a lot of Jackson nerding out. mm Hmm when Ernest shows them the elemental light show. And this is is some pretty important exposition here. That we learned that there were four races. Mm -hmm. One of them being Thor's race. Yes. And we will actually find out that we've actually already met another one of them, but we don't know it yet. Correct. I noticed being a veteran Stargate watcher aficionado word and I'm sure you notice as well that in addition to the Asgardian runes we had ancient mm-hmm. writings yep and don't, yeah I don't they they just call it ancient yeah speaking ancient writing ancient reading ancient that's yeah it. it was definitely ancient yes. which we shouldn't know yet that's future knowledge but it was clearly ancient in every sense of the word the design was clearly ancient? Yes. <laughs> in the truest sense of the word, that's what it was. God. <laughs> I liked Robert Carlyle in that show, but that line, especially because they repeat it... The, the line was fine if you but, didn't hear it at the beginning <laughs> of every episode. Yes. This is what Destiny intended the for moment the The star system... <laughs> I may be on the verge of of, of discovering the true nature of Destiny's mission (laughs) (laughs) so anyway um, (laughs) uh, what I wonder on this one is, so we see four writings, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering which one's the Nox and which one's the Furlings because we'll never know we'll never know, I want to say the, the, the curvy one with the lots of sort of arcs and crescent moon looking things, I'm going to say that's the Nox. It feels like the Nox. Right? Sort of weird and hippies. Mm -hmm. What stood out to me with the Atomic Light show was Jack saying, Daniel, does this mean anything? And Jackson, I feel like, missed a real opportunity to kind of play up his response, which was, well, if this is the gathering place of these four alien races and something, something, well, it must mean... You know, something. I have no idea what. Hmm, that would have been nice. Yeah. And instead, we just get like the first. Does
1: this mean anything? Well, if this was a mecca of sorts, an alien United Nations, this has to mean something.
0: Which is fine, but I—I don't I, I feel like in a later season, in a later episode of a later season, there would have been a knowing wink, basically, in how he was delivering that to say. I don't know, but I'm going to bullshit. Yeah. So what I wonder, what I find interesting, I I do like that they actually did the continuity with the ancient writing. Because we don't see ancient writing again, I don't, I think for, oh, no, there might be some in the season two episode where Jack gets the repository downloaded. I mean, maybe. I can't remember if there's writing in that room or not. Anyway. But it, it, it's definitely some nice continuity, because it's something you see, you know, in every episode of Atlantis. And it, it, it's basically not something that really comes up a lot until much later, but it, it looks just like this. It looked sideways to me. It did look sideways. I will, yes. Normally it's vertical lines. More vertically. Yeah. Yes. I'm not an ancientologist, though. Mm. Mm. Which also reminded me, the what I was touching on though, the Daniel does this mean anything, reminded me of when they first come, when Ernest first encounters them, and is hugging them all, and then after that moment, and it's Jack saying to him, Daniel, do something. Why is Daniel, like, the go-to not-shooting-things problem solver? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would say the only thing that I really touched on with all this was that we get to our end problem where not only is the dhd broken then the storm is happening and the dhd falls into the sea like it you know like they do so i'm gonna use a little future knowledge here bring it i mean it's not the first time we've done that this episode
1: True.
0: uh i'm positive in a later season they talk about how capacitors of the Stargate itself hold enough charge for one manual dial out without an external power source. Hmm. That said they have definitely used external power sources before. Yes. So I don't know. Uh, also, we did get the the title of the episode. Yes we did. I put down on my notes because in with my notes I, I indicate the various sets, basically, that they're mm-hmm. on. So Catherine South, CSEC. And i we never got a name for the planet, not even a designator in binary as generated by the I computer. I think the in the future, when they refer to it, they call it Ernest's Planet. I called it Tantalus. Mm, that works, too. But I think they call it Ernest's Planet. And Ernest suffered the torment of Tantalus. Yes, he did. The only other thing that stood out to me was when they have to power the gate and they come down into the light showroom, and they're like Daniel, step away from the, from the box, we're gonna blow it up and this is now two episodes back to back where Daniel's like, look at this cool alien tech and how it's gonna change everything yeah, we need to blow it up, Daniel uh, but- my weir- my thought is, why was their first thought to blow it up and not to try to take it apart. I was wondering that, too. Because I kind of feel like... And they still didn't try to take it apart after they weren't able to blow it up. Right. It's like, uh well, deal Staff weapon didn't do anything. I guess there's definitely no chance of an access panel or anything on this thing. <clears throat> oh, well. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they... So then Jack has the idea to do the Franklin thing. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And they have to, they they try to convince Daniel to leave, and he really doesn't want to. And they keep trying to convince Daniel. Finally, Jack is able to get him to come. Gross. And they get out in the nick of time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why
0: I'm laughing. That wasn't even all that funny. <laughs> anyway so then they do all go through the stargate Mm -hmm. and what i found interesting and we have the moment of the standard you know moment of suspense where are jack and daniel gonna make it through or not and we do get walter and he says wormhole is destabilizing still no travelers who was he telling that to Who was he telling that there were still no Travelers? Because everyone in the room knows that there were still no Travelers. I want to say that although they frequently describe it as instantaneous travel, at least in the movie, and I think we also got a little bit of this in one of the earlier episodes where they then reused a little bit of the movie's assets— we see that the computer is aware of the travelers dematerializing and rematerializing. Mm. So, uh, that's, that's fair. the computer is operating fast enough that it can read what's happening in the gate, even without the people being able to tell. And although they call it instantaneous, maybe it actually takes five seconds. Yeah, no, that makes sense, because they do show sometimes, like, the the graph of, the, of- the gate activity, so, yeah. Okay. But as for who he's telling it to, he's telling it to anyone who's listening. No one is. Which is what makes Walter sad. <laughs> he is actually listed as Walter in the credits of this episode, though. Yes! He is not named yet, I don't Still believe. Still not officially named by anybody. But IMDB says he's Walter. It remind Something about this reminds me a lot of... Listening to the West Wing Weekly and Janelle Maloney, who played Donna for mm-hmm. anyone who's not you. Right, yeah. And may not have been aware of this. Donna was a seven season cast member. She was there the entire time. Janelle Maloney was on the show as Donna the entire time. Uh, I think right from the very first episode. Was she in every episode? I don't know about that. I don't know if anyone was in every episode. Yeah. Other than the possibility of a very small pop-in, but she started as an extra. Hmm. And then, I don't even know if she had a name initially. Maybe she did. But at a certain point, Aaron Sorkin started writing Donna moments into what he was doing, and they made her a regular uh, a regular cast member. That happened with... Uh o'brien on star trek the next generation okay so maybe that's the deal with walter that gary jones was there as just we're just gonna have this guy here we like how you sound calming out that the chevron is locked yeah actually that works better uh the cole uh, uh uh gary jones and cole i think are, are a good analogy because donna like was a- actually became like even a named cast member yes later Whereas Gary Jones never was. He was just in a bunch of episodes as Walter. And the same was true on Star Trek The Next Generation, at least, for uh, Cole Meany. He was never technically part of the main cast. Not on Next Generation. He was a main cast member on Deep Space Nine. Right, of course. Obviously. But no, on Next Generation, he was not. Uh, But he was in a bunch of episodes. More episodes or fewer than Reg. Uh, way more. Uh Barkley was only in I think th- four episodes? Mm. Maybe five? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe more than that. less than 10. Mm. Well, this has been your weekly episode of extras becoming cast members weekly. <laughs> so what else stood out to you in this episode? I, I I'm done with I'm my notes. I'm out of notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I part of me gets why they don't, but I kind of feel like if this show was on a different channel or made it a different time, that we would almost certainly have, over the next two or three episodes, Ernest and Catherine back as Ernest figures out what the heck has happened to the world in the last 50 years. Hmm. I'd watch that. Sure. But... We do see Ernest and Catherine one more time. Both of them? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'll... I'll be pleasantly surprised when that happens. We see Catherine a couple more times. At least... uh, But no, Ernest and Catherine together we see one time. Uh, I think it's Sam goes to their house? And they're both there? Hmm. I don't remember what episode or what happened in it, but I remember we see Ernest and Catherine. Ernest doesn't do much. He just sort of says hi. Well, I think now's a good time, since we're both out of notes, to talk about... Because as you pointed out on our text conversation earlier... The sheer coincidence of that not even an hour ago, maybe two? An hour ago. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It was announced that there is a new Stargate show, sort of. Ish. Ish. (laughs) On its way, and it's about Catherine Langford. Yes. So, obviously, when this podcast airs, whoever listens to it is probably already going to know this. Yes. But and MGM is going to be releasing a subscription web service web series of 10 minute of 10, 10 minute episodes. Uh it's a prequel about Catherine Langford in 1928. I guess 1928 was when they found the stargate on the Giza plateau. And then there if this does well they're going to do others in theory. Okay. Eh. I yeah. On the one hand, any Stargate is better than no Stargate, but on the other hand, I said that before Universe as well. And Universe actually had gate travel in it. Whereas
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. this will not.
0: Stargate without any gate travel is kind of. And the 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 mini web episodes that you have to pay for. That's also unfortunate, and it feels like. Do you remember... I'm trying to remember what movie or video game it was for. I think it was for Halo 2. The the Xbox Live exclusive show? No. You're thinking of either Halo 3 or Halo 4. Okay. With Halo 2, there was this big... What's that term? Where it's the not augmented reality... But the thing where it's, you know, you follow these codes. What it was, there was, like, this phone number you could call. And there was this recorded message that you would listen to. And the recorded message was something that had to be decoded. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But I, and I, it had, it was super popular for, like, two years. The, like, that concept, yes. Yeah. I feel like this. It has a name. The concept has a name, but I don't remember what it is. I love bees. Was the thing? <laughs> okay. Was for Halo Two, alternate reality game.
1: Yes. yes.
0: So yeah. So alternate reality. Not, so not that augmented. that definitely feels this way, especially because they actually they they want fan interaction. Right. No. Exactly. It feels like the sort of thing that if SG One was being made today. Mm-hmm. That they would have released, really, they would have announced this 10 episode arc. They did for SGU. There were a bunch of Kino videos. Right. but Exactly. They would have done this at the time that Torment of Tantalus came out. Which, incidentally, two weeks ago, MGM's Stargate uh, website still talked about the most recent episode of SGU. Hmm. Well, that was the most re- recent Stargate episode. Yeah, but like, like they had not the last update to MGM Stargate website until two weeks ago when they put down this like countdown timer thing. Mm-hmm. Was just you know, and here's what happened in the in the season finale. you it's funny that like, yeah, the they want to like really launch their website and like it's a site they haven't touched in five years. Yeah. Okay. I suppose that they could have easily, after a year, gone in and said, and this week we're going to talk about. Yeah, you know, here's what Richard E. Nairison ups- is up to. Yeah, and that's what Star Trek.com does. And, like. Oh, okay. That, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, yes, obviously, Star Trek has not. Ha- there's been Star Trek stuff, but mm-hmm. there was a time period where there was no Star Trek stuff, and Star Trek.com was still updated.
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: But anyway, yeah. Anyway, it's weird and the I was really hoping for a uh for an actual show and not this. Yes. I'm not sure how much better than nothing this is. We'll find out. Yeah. I don't I don't know if they've announced casting yet. Um I don't think so. They have announced the director. She was on the panel in Comic-Con. Okay. Have you heard of this director before? No, I don't. They didn't say the name. I just saw a picture. It was like, director is second from the right. Okay. Also, wasn't if... It was 1928. So, if... So, this episode, which takes place... Which has the flashbacks of 1945. Well, Catherine was the little girl. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is that she would have been eight years old. Yeah. So, it's a... They said 1928. It may not all take place in 1928. It may just have that beginning thing and then it'll move to the 40s. Maybe we'll have Ernest in it. That. Okay. That'd be much better. Because I don't want to watch a Stargate show about an eight year old girl that never walks through a stinking Stargate. I I'd don't, watch don't... a Stargate show about an eight year old girl who walks through Stargates, though. I'd yeah. watch that. Yeah. I don't want to watch a Stargate show about a 20 year old woman who never walks through a Stargate either, though. That's very true. Or man. Let's be clear here. I also don't want to watch yeah, a Stargate show about an 8-year-old boy or a 20-year-old man who Stargate never Stargate walks show about through a Stargate. Anything that never goes through a Stargate. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Stargate is about the Stargate, man. And going through, walking, turning on and walking through the Stargate. That is what makes a Stargate ship. Yes. And not being stuck on a stupid ship with the stupid But they do go through the Stargate. I know! (laughs) Uh. Yeah. Well, maybe if this is successful, which I don't know if it will be, especially because they're charging money for it, Mm. uh, we will get an actual show. This does sort of... uh, They did say multiple times that this is their way of giving back to the fans. Hmm. And I'm not sure... Hmm. Making people pay to watch something online how is that giving giving? yeah (laughs) then they haven't announced how much it will be they said there will be some free content and some paid content i'm willing to bet that these the actual like episodes are going to be paid the first episode will be free content yeah and then all the rest yeah and and especially because this is just going to be on their website this is this is worse than uh cbs making you subscribe to their subscription service for the new star trek show oh yeah yeah this is this is much worse than cbs's deal because if you subscribe to cbs's subscription service not only are you getting the new star trek you're also getting all of the rest of the cbs shows going back to like the beginning of cbs even really yeah hey that's not so bad I mean, I don't. There probably are some shows missing, but I believe there are in fact some like shows from the sixties on there. I'm not sure why I want to go back and rewatch early CSI, but hey, so long as the options there, right? You can watch CSI for the nineties. Sweet. I think CSI started in the late nineties. I think you might be right. Very early two thousands. I I want to say it probably started in ninety nine. But all right. So that was. The show. Uh next week it's gonna be Bloodlines. Yes. Next week we are watching Bloodlines which, which is a rarity based on the episode title. I have no idea what episode this is. I didn't know either. I but since I had to go to IMDB to look up other things about this episode. Oh, I, is it Ryak? It's Ryak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I had to think about it for a second. Much more importantly, the first episode with Braytech Tony Amendola. Damn right. So thank you for listening. Um, sorry if we didn't talk about whatever little thing you noticed in this episode. But like I said, I enjoy this episode a lot. I just didn't have a lot to talk about. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at gamicus. I am at Tyrannicus. The show is at Stargate Weekly. We are also StargateWeekly dot com, where we have all past, present, and future episodes of the show, and anything else that tickles our fancy. Like, you know, we'll just like have a link to the MGM Catherine Langford show. Yeah, like, like, like we won't rehost it. That would be bi- that would be bad in piracy. But we'll just have a link. You can click it. And go and give MGM money and not us. And that's the show. Yeah.